Hello, everybody. He is Brian B-Rob, Rob from MassLive.com. He is J.L. Nino King from The Athletic, and I am Sam Jam Packard, and together we are Still Potable! Coming to you with a Christmas Eve edition on Still Potable. We are live on the CLNS YouTube, and we are brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. If you enjoy this show, please go to patreon.com slash stillpotable where you can get daily Celtics content from us Monday through Friday. This is the Monday free version, uh, but we have podcasts the rest of the week, game breakdowns, uh, and pretty much bringing to you great guests, the best Celtics contents, content, the best Celtics community. You can you know, join us in the chat and Patreon, uh, send us some voicemails. We're always doing fun stuff over there on the Patreon. And so please, if you enjoy this, subscribe. Patreon.com slash still potable. It is the day before Christmas. The Celtics remain the best team in the league. They are 22 and 6. They're coming off a uh, interesting road trip. We, of course, are going to do what we do most weeks here, uh, do a little potable six-pack. That's where we draft the six most important topics, most interesting things going on with the Celtics right now. Um, I won last week and all previous weeks. Uh, there was some bit of controversy, uh, but we actually put it out to the fans, and I won again. Did they actually vote you the winner? Yeah, I think I won uh, 50%. You guys each got around 25%. So uh, clear winner here. I will pick the order. So you think the voting was probably rigged? Yeah, I, I want to check. Did you, you put boxes. it out on Twitter and asked only your own followers, right? Yeah, but you retweeted it, so you uh, also don't have a complaint there. Um, also, I, I did... don't remember that. The voting this time will go on Patreon. We're gonna do. I want to hear from the the real the subscribers this time. Those are the the real deciders. Okay, I mean, I will confident I'm going to win because I've won every single week. There has not been any sort of <laughs> divergence from that path. Well, and so prior to this week, you were the lone judge and arbiter of the the win. Yeah, but you're acting like that makes me not objective and like you're saying that I'm sort of yeah. biased in this regard. No, I just say what's what's like who gives the correct opinions, who made the right draft picks. And for the past five weeks, it's happened to be me every single time. Maybe you guys could change it this week. Who knows? But because I won, I will pick the draft order and I'm going to select myself to go first. Then I'll have Jay, then B Rob. And we'll reverse it and come back down on the line. Um, so, with my first pick in this week's potable six-pack, I'm going with the Celtics just jacking threes. And sure, maybe they missed 41 threes against the Golden State Warriors, and maybe that was a reason why they lost the game. But then they had the best offensive rating they had in the play-by-play -play era against the Kings and made another 20-plus threes against the Clippers on Saturday. And I'm all for it. I don't care what Gary Washburn says. I think the Celtics need to be jacking as many threes as possible. They generated 29 open threes against the Warriors. To me, that uh, signals good process. They have a lot of talented three-point shooters. And I think like this is just going to continue to happen. And I frankly, if they're generating open threes, I think that's a good thing. I'm not I'm not going to call myself a, like a crazy good basketball analyst, but I think generating 25-plus open threes a game is beneficial for the Celtics. To me, it's the way they're generating them, too. It's it's not just that they're getting a lot of shots up. It's that 
the nasty ISO pull-up three is becoming minimized. A lot of these are great looks in transition. They're really starting to push the pace. You can tell that's an emphasis. They're really running lately. Um, and then they're getting a lot of stuff out of post-ups. And if you help, they have shooters everywhere. And that's that's typically a good thing. And so th that's that's the thing to me is the mix. So it's not just all three-pointers. And it's three-pointers coming in transition. It's three-pointers coming out of pick and roll. It's three-pointers coming out of post-ups. It's like their, their offense is more diverse, it feels like, than it was in the past. And it's starting to click, you know, for a while. It's like, why, why isn't this offense clicking? They still have another level to reach. They've reached that level. It seems like everything is just flowing more smoothly now. Um, and they're doing it even when they don't have key players on the court. Jason Tatum was out, and they absolutely blitzed the Kings in the second night of a really tough back-to-back. Chris Asporzingas is out against the Clippers. Granted, Kawhi Leonard was out too, but they absolutely look great without Porzingis. And I think earlier in the season when they had a piece missing, it wasn't always like that. Things kind of got disjointed. Um, obviously, they're great when everybody's healthy. They're 14-1 and one with their starting lineup all available. But now they're doing it without pieces, and, and that's big. Yeah, the it's nuts just how much they've come around that front the last few weeks. And on the three-point shooting front, the fact that pretty much everyone in the supporting cast now is at a not an elite level, but certainly a, a acceptable level. Like Pitcher was at like 20% a week ago. Now exactly. he's at 40. Now he's at 40. It's like he's quickly being like, oh yeah, I remember that slow start. Yeah, goodbye. Now I'm at, I'm at shooting like 40% now. Drew Holiday up to 41%. White and Hauser have been shooting great all year. They're both at 42%. So the only guys not shooting well from three right now compared to their careers, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And that I think kind of speaks to your point, Dave. Like they, the quality of their looks, I feel like, have has been better though, regardless. And th that's the kind of shooting that you, you would think would come around as this season goes around because those guys have the track record. But the process for the rest of the offense in terms of how these threes are coming here is just like must be, you know, music to Joe Mazzula's ears right now. One of my favorite plays from the Clippers game, which we can talk more about later, but was. I think it was the second quarter, but Jalen Brown got the ball with like 37 seconds left. And he realized it's two for one time. And it was super unselfish. He pitches it up to Tatum, but Tatum is on the sideline and doesn't have a look himself. So he gets it back to Jalen, who has really hustled after the play, even though he thinks Tatum is going to take a three. And he hits the three for the two for one. And it was like everyone was on the same page. And it was just like very unselfish by everyone involved, very diligent about getting the two for one that they wanted, being smart. I feel like they've really handled those situations pretty well this year. Like they, they've been really good about managing the clock. And that's obviously something Joe Mazzula has talked about, like handling the end of quarters well. And, and they've more often than not, they've been really good at that stuff. And so all that little stuff matters in in an offense but i thought that that one play was kind of indicative of where they are where everybody knew like we have five seconds to get a shot up let's try to get the best one we can and they were all on the same page do you guys think there is anything to like the criticism i know jay um you thought the kind of the discussion after the golden state warriors game was 
a little bit heavy handed. So you went back for our Patreon subscribers and did a full video breakdown of the process. Uh, what kind of you talked about how they were able to generate the threes, but is this just an inescapable storyline? Anytime you miss 41 threes in a game, like that's obviously what's going to be written about, like, or is there something there because, and it's something that I think Zach Lowe has talked about, like uh, the Celtics inability to get uh, shots at the rim. You mentioned that it's an improved process, but is there any kind of like, I guess, level of concern there that they're over-reliant? Um, Cause I think I would agree with you. I think they like, it's more dynamic. It certainly was than like last year. I just don't think they're just like simply jacking threes, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily also getting a number of like shots at the rim or increasing their free throw rate. And so I guess, Jay, how do you, you, you made that video to react to the dumb people on Twitter, but um, are those people still dumb? I guess is the question. <laughs> I, I won't call them dumb. Uh, my words, my words. I just thought the discussion from that game was based off of playoff failures in the past. It was not based at all on what happened in that game. And wh where the Celtics have gone wrong, where to me the shots have been bad, is like, they just devolve into ISO. They deteriorate into stagnant offense. And that was not the case at all in that game. They were actually super intentional about going at Stephen Curry, about getting him involved, about getting him in the post. And they used that, his five fouls, his foul trouble, to generate wide open looks. And so they went about it in a way that shows how they're different now. They went about it intelligently. They went about it going to the post. They went about it like just totally differently than they probably would have in the past. And so, yeah, everyone's scarred by what happened in the playoffs last year, what happened in the finals two years ago. And especially because it was against the Warriors, I think those failures were top of mind for everybody. But there was just a huge difference between the way they handled that, that fourth quarter versus most of their fourth quarter meltdowns in the recent past. That was not like bad Celtics basketball. It was proof that they're actually improving. And they just, Sam Hauser missed four open threes or three open threes, whatever it was. They missed, Al uh, Horford missed a whole bunch. It was like, they were getting the ball to great shooters. They were reacting to what the Warriors did. They were actually picking them apart. Um, but the defense stunk, the Celtics defense stunk. And so they gave up a big lead and they missed shots. That was it. Like that was the entire story of the game. And I was just struck by uh, – I, I just didn't think the discussion of that game was was realistic about what actually happened. So that's why I did the video breakdown. And I just uh, like imagining you at 2.30 a.m. just being like, these, these people have got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put a video out there to correct the record. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, so, that was so a, a little unhinged moment by me. I, I'm not going to lie, but – that's hey, all that's right. the, I'm that's unhinged the of, sometimes. That's the JK difference. That's why you sign up. You go to patreon.com slash still potable because at any moment, an unhinged J King can make a video breakdown and then you'll have access to that because that's the kind of content we're delivering here. Uh, before we move on to the next pick, let's hear from our friends at FanDuel. All right, let's take a break here to hear from our sponsor, FanDuel. Score early this NFL season of FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about fan, joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. 
The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts 21 and present. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Played smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Still Potable with Brian, Rob, Jay King, and myself, Jam Packer. The Patreon is patreon.com slash stillpotable. We are on to pick two of the potable six-pack, the six most interesting things about this Boston Celtics season right now or the past week. I know I get a little uh, touchy with the rules there, but yes, this is for the last week, Jay. And so I wanted to make sure that was clear. Thank you for clarifying. And so it is your pick, I believe, um, right now. I'm going to go with Drew Holiday's ability to find his role within this offense. He is shooting 50.5% over 10 games in December. He is shooting 47.8% from three in December. And his usage is low, but I just feel like he's doing a nice job of finding his spots of when Jason Tatum is out running a little bit more offense, being, you know, more of a playmaker. Um, he's and all, all the while he's he's just a menacing defender, like just an incredible defender at all times, every single possession. Um, you can see that they it's fun to watch him freelance on defense because you can see that like they've just given him the power to just kind of make whatever decisions he wants. And sometimes that means he'll just leave somebody and just like muck up a play. And and he usually does it in really smart ways. So it took him a little while, I think, to get used to being a fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup. But more and more, I think he's just kind of finding the rhythm, finding the flow. And it's not like he's getting the same opportunities he did when he was in Milwaukee last season as an all-star. So that's just been a process. And And right now he's just in a really good spot, I think, and really taking advantage of the opportunities he does get. Yeah, the comfort level is there. And for him to get here, you know, the day before that trade going down, the day before training camp was supposed to start, there was going to be an adjustment period. He thought he probably he was going to be spending maybe the the rest of his career in Milwaukee earlier this summer before that initial deal happened. So this is, everything was a whirlwind for him, but he never complained about it. He's been doing whatever they need him to do all year now. And now he's clearly like settling in and for having a guy settle in comfortably as your fourth or fifth option. Most nights who was an all-star last year, like we're seeing the best of that right now. And that's turning this team from being like, Oh, that's the, a really good team to being like, this is they like, you can't even stop this offense some nights. And the fact that with that, the defense is still ahead of the offense on the season two is is scary as well because I feel like Holiday is able to pace himself on that front, and so they only he, he can put all the effort he needs to on the defensive end and just take you know 10, 12 shots a game and and be happy doing it. And that's having someone content with that is is huge for this team. 
and their their backcourt like when Derek White and Drew Holiday both play well, it's so hard to beat the Celtics. Right. And lately they've both been playing <laughs> extremely well every night. And like like what are you going to do when Derek White and Drew Holiday combine for like 35 points and do it super efficiently and hit a bunch of threes between them and then you also got to deal with Tatum Brown Porzingis. It's like good luck. Good luck. And so Holiday's emergence and just his his ability to to begin to like really be efficient with his chances. Like when honestly when those guys are good like just it's beware. <laughs> it's just impossible to stop. I think you pointed this out, Jay. Like Holiday last year averaged 19 points a game. And the last two games he's got, I think, 20 and 21. It's like the first time he's even reached that number. Last year he was averaging 15 shots a game. Now he's much closer to 10. And so I do think it's that efficiency. I think it's his three-point like shooting, especially uh, in these past two games where he's been, I think, four for six in each of them. Um, but it's important, I think, that he's not just a three-point shooter because I think there's going to be matchups – um, where he's the point guard and there's going to be smaller guys on the floor and they're going to try to hide probably their smallest person on Drew Holiday. And so I think Drew Holiday doing his little post-up game and like getting to the offense in other ways, like he's not just a spot-up three-point shooter at this point, which I think that's going to be important because if you play with this Celtics team and this Celtics offense, like just being there, a guy who can knock down shots in the corner is going to be huge. But I think having a way where they can attack through Drew Holiday, especially if it's him going up against smaller guards, I think it's just another way their offense can be dynamic. And um, it's just, it's just a wild luxury that like, it doesn't seem like he cares at all. And like, he can just focus on being the best defender on the team and freelancing and do whatever he wants. And then on nights where you might have not have Chris Tapps or nights when you might not, not have Tatum, this guy can just step up and get his, uh, his points. It's, it's just a wild luxury to have as what Drew holiday at this point is your fifth fifth option on offense and he was like an all-star uh a couple years ago so good things pointed up for the celtics there it's just it's just so bizarre to have that much talent and kind of just acquire that talent you know a week before the season starts so impressive stuff for him b rob your first pick i'm going with jalen brown playing the best basketball of his life um and i know this is a we're on a one week track role here but i'm gonna go back a little bit i'm gonna say this maybe two three week stretch here and if you just look at his numbers for december on a whole it's nothing crazy He's averaging 24 points only shooting 32 percent from three shooting a great 52 percent from the field but we're going to go with the old eye test here and the eye test right now is like jalen brown is giving this team whatever it needs any given night right now consistently and for all for as great as he's been in his career uh to this point this level of consistency in terms of a, a variety of items, whether it's scoring the ball, whether it's passing the ball, um, playmaking wise, defensively, uh, he's pretty much checking all those boxes consistently every night, whether Tatum has been out there or not um, on the floor with him. And for him to think, kind of take that next, you know, the final leave of his career, if you will, the final frontier for him, I think is being able to do that consistently. And it's just been, a phenomenal stretch for him on that front efficiency wise uh assist wise in the last he's last four games he's had three games with six plus assists 
Um, I don't think we've seen that before in his career. So all the kind of coming together for him at the same time is, I think, directly leading to the, the type of, you know, blowout wins we've seen a lot from this team in the last two weeks. And his ability to do it when Jason Tatum's not on the floor and to kind of scale up as a playmaker, I think has been huge for this team developing a non-Tatum identity to where they are just smoking teams right now without Jason Tatum on the court. They've had a net rating of 20.5 with him on the bench over the last 10 games, which is insane. Like, Nobody does that without their best player on the court. But I think Jalen's ability to run offense during that stretch has just really allowed them to flourish. And he puts so much – when he's making the right decisions, he puts so much pressure on a defense because he can get to the paint. You have to respect his three-pointer. You have to respect like so much of what Jalen Brown does that when he is making the right passes, I, you just really have to react to him. And – and right now he's making the right passes. When when Tatum is not on the court, he's averaging – the, the last game is not included in this. But he's averaging 8.3 assists per 100 possessions, which is double what he's averaging when Tatum is on the court and more than double what he's averaged for his career. So he's just really coming into his own as a passer and a creator. How many potential assists, though? Because that's the only stat we care about here. Uh, yeah, I care about production. <laughs> no no but but for a while honestly like his his production didn't match like the decisions he was making or the process that he was going into and now it's starting to click for him and you could you could just really see it clicking you can see all the lessons just coming coming to him and like honestly we've seen him play some awesome basketball in the past but from an all-around floor game perspective like right now he's just on a different level and for the Celtics to not take a dip when Tatum goes to the bench, like I feel like that's been a consistent theme for the Celtics ever since Jason Tatum became like the player. But like the Celtics are kind of unbeatable with their starting lineup on the court. Jay, you just said like the net rating when Tatum goes to the bench. There is just no level of weakness or like when at any point in this rotation. And I feel like there's that's the reason the Celtics have the best record in the league there's just not they're so relentless in a kind of the talent they can put out there they have the depth they've kind of figured out the exact rotation pieces um and so it's just tough to see a situation where this like this team hasn't gotten blown out this year ever like I guess you can say the Orlando Magic game and that was after Thanksgiving the 230 you know point differential stuff but they have what six losses and three of them have come in overtime. I think there's this team is just so talented and they figured out kind of everyone having their right roles where they're going to be in uh, pretty much every single basketball game they play, even games, they have bad kind of shooting nights, even games where they might not make a lot of shots down the stretch. As we saw in golden state, they were still had a, like a, a chance to win it at the end. And so I think a lot of the times in the past, the, the, Achilles heel of the team was just like, oh, they're going to be terrible in the non-Tatum minutes. But now they kind of feel like they have a solution for that. And so there's just not a lot of weaknesses here. And it's a reason why they're just going to be able to rack up a lot of wins um, so far. While facing the toughest schedule in the NBA today. <laughs> so Which it's is kind like, of crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it is kind of nuts just how far they've come. Like I said, like if they, you know, this is not the perfect team, but if they patch up all these things and all these potential weaknesses, whether it is, you know, Jalen's 
playmaking or you know minutes without him on the floor then it's like on top of adding all these additional problems with Porzingis and Holiday and the bench really coming along um as a unit it's like I don't know game planning for this team right now must be a nightmare for opposing coaching staffs yeah all right before we go on to your next pick B-Rob we'll hear from the good folks at Factor Welcome back to Still Potable with Brian, Rob, J. King, and myself, Jam Packer. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash stillpotable. We've entered the back nine of the potable six-pack, which some people might call a back three. Uh, and we're going to lead off here with Brian Rob. So I'm going to go back to Drew Holiday for this one. Ooh. More so because of the situation with who they played yesterday. They played the Clippers, and this was one of the teams that were in the mix for Drew Holiday when the Bucks traded him away at the back in September. And in my mind of the, the sliding door situation here is, is kind of nuts that the Celtics like came out of this, given how many interested suitors there were with Drew Holiday and the Clippers going to door number two, essentially, maybe, I don't know if they purposely picked James Harden over Holiday or they just didn't want to pay the price for Drew Holiday or whether the Celtics just overwhelmed the Blazers of, more assets than the Clippers had to give. I mean, that's something that, you know, we're never going to get fully the end of, but when you compare to the two situations yesterday and like what the Clippers would have looked like with Drew Holiday and the lack of potential viable alternatives for the Celtics to have like at a piece like Drew Holiday this season, if he didn't become available there, it is a, I think it, it could potentially, you know, swing the title this season. I mean, we were going to walk a long way away, but the Clippers with Drew Holiday and Kawhi playing like that, like we've seen the last few weeks, I feel like would be an absolute juggernaut this year. James Harden there obviously is a scary group, but given his postseason track record is nowhere close. But now Drew Holiday on this team, as we've kind of gone over the last 20 minutes, guys, it's like, I don't know if this if this team can stay healthy. Like, I don't know where other how other teams match up against this group when everyone's playing like that because of, and Holiday being able to fill in all those gaps um, just, I think, was magnified more to be after that game on Saturday. And just think about what would have happened if they didn't acquire Drew Holiday. Right. Like if if Robert Williams did get hurt, and granted, everything changes. You don't know if he still would have gotten hurt. Yeah. But if he gets hurt, you don't have him off the bench. And then you're still closing with Malcolm Brogdon when you go small. Like there's just an enormous gap between Malcolm Brogdon and Drew Holiday. Just enormous. And Drew can really contribute in a ton of ways, even when he's not scoring. He's not going to ever hijack the offense. Actually, I guess every once in a while, he'll just fire <laughs> up. <laughs> but only do it for one play. Only do it. Yeah. But like Brogdon, Brogdon's production, like his scoring was basically how he helped the Celtics. That was it. He was not going to grab a ton of offensive rebounds. He was not going to set up other guys. He was certainly not going to be the quarterback of your defense or the free safety or whatever you want to call it, Drew Holiday. And so it's just, it was such an upgrade in all the lineups that matter in all the situations that matter. And, and that to me is like, they got very fortunate that the, the Bucks trade put Drew Holiday onto the market and then they were able to capitalize. Just great work by Brad Stevens to to be ready for that, and then to just strike and and know that 
I mean, Brad must have known, like, <laughs> this is going to put us – this. I, I, we can't say whether it's put him over the top, but Brad knew that was going to be a really, really important acquisition. Um, and, I mean, it only took a couple of days for it to come come to fruition after the Bucks traded for Damian Lillard. Well, the, the other interesting thing and the other kind of sliding doors moment, and B-Rob, get ready because I, uh, I might pivot to you for a voicemail in a second, but – the original Chris Tapp's Porzingis trade was Malcolm Brogdon going to the Clippers and they kind of backed out at the last minute because whatever Malcolm Brogdon's elbow situation. But like if that trade goes through, do the Celtics even do they trade Marcus Smart for Drew Holiday at that point? Like we're looking at a completely a kind of different Boston Celtics team and. I don't know what this team looks like with Marcus Smart in the kind of Drew Holiday role, I think in terms of hijacking the offense, Marcus was never really able to limit himself just to one play per game. I think he did a lot of the things on defense, um, but it's a different personality, but it's an interesting question of the kind of like how everything would have unfolded if Malcolm Brogdon had a healthy elbow and the Clippers just kind of decided to go in that direction uh, in the first place. Um, but that brings us to, we just, just installed a voicemail line here on still potable. So our subscribers can, you know, ask us ask us some questions. And we got a Marcus Smart question that I thought was a good one. So I think it's a good opportunity to listen to it now. I'm just going to get loaded up here. Stand by. Packard, you put him on the spot there. I know, really. He, he didn't he know did he warn was, me, but he it's still right yeah. now. I literally gave him a warning. I said, he did give me a warning, but it's still, <laughs> even if the warning wasn't enough. All right, here we go. We got the smart, <laughs> smart grievance. You, we want the smart one? Yeah. Derek White just fucking hooping is just a great line. <laughs> just a great line. Um, I, I'll answer this. You do both, both uh, you know, journalists. So I don't think Marcus Smart's departure is keeping either one of you up at night. Um, I am the fan here on this broadcast. But I got to say, I kind of agree with him. Like, I, and I think it helps that Marcus hasn't necessarily been playing. And so you don't see as many of like the crazy hustle play highlights. There was that great moment of him just ridiculing the Grizzlies for being an embarrassing effort. Um, but given the Celtics success, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's still, still a lot of winning basketball. I I'm, I've been open to the idea that maybe Marcus's departure has opened up a lane for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to take more of a leadership role. And so I don't think I'm like trying to take anything away from Marcus smart, but um, it's hard to argue with the results. And so I don't know. I'm still like very much looking forward to his return to the garden. I think that's in February. I think it's going to be a magical evening. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite things about like Celtics fans is when they like welcome back uh, one of the guys they really loved. But in terms of on the court, I don't really, I don't really miss Marcus that much. I feel like Drew's really filling in quite well and it's allowed kind of other players to step up in, in a kind of a leadership role. And so turns out maybe Brad Stevens was correct in making that decision. The other piece too, that like Marcus was fantastic leader, fiery guy, like did, did amazing work for the Celtics throughout his time there. They don't have the success that they had without him. Um, I think his offense was underrated his defense was obviously phenomenal, but like this group and and may, maybe Marcus would have bought into it too, but they've been very good at just like not caring about roles, not caring about who has the ball, not caring about who's on the bench. And, and I feel like that might've been a tougher sell to Marcus smart just because of all the history he's had with the team. Um, like drew holiday, he's often not involved in the action. He's often just like, I don't want to say he's, he's often spacing. He's in the dunker spot. Like they just use him in a, a smaller role than, than Marcus smart ever had. And could you have sold him on that? I don't know, but I know that drew holiday has been cool with it from day one or seems to be cool with it from day one. And, and so that that's another piece of the, the trade that I think like the Celtics, just have not that Marcus Smart was a nonsense guy, but they have all no nonsense guys right now. Like all <laughs> just totally business guys, just focus on what's important. And again, I'm not saying that Marcus Smart wasn't about what's important. He was always about what's important. He was a, he was a bit of a nonsense guy at times, though. Like, and we can be honest about that. He I'm not uh, saying he was not serious about the game, but he would do something. He was a shenanigans guy. Every once in a while, there'd be some shenanigans, and this team like doesn't really have shenanigans. He was also, I think, to your point on that too, Jay, like, I think overlooked some of his limitations at times at the end of the game situation. He'd like be looking to have the ball in his hands, maybe a little too much. Like you said, like Drew is fine with whatever. Marcus, but, you know, is a passer, but like he, and I think part of it was them deferring to him too. And like in terms of the Jays. And so that's part of the process there. And again, that, that kind of alleviate, like that's not at all on him. Like if it's like no one else is doing anything, he's going to try to make something happen. But at the same time, it's like he's also your worst offensive player on the floor in those situations. So that's not necessarily like the best thing for the team. But ultimately, and and the whole Derek White thing last year, right, Derek, exactly. White Derek White wasn't too, even like, in the closing lineup exactly, a lot, right? When, which is wild. Which is again, and, we can dive into the like why that was and whether that was Joe catering to Marcus or you know there, there are so many dynamics in there. Yeah, um, so there there was a lot, and. I, I, Maybe it would have gone the same way with Marcus on the team instead of Drew Holiday, but the empowerment of Derek White, the like all of that stuff, I'm not sure it would have been the same with Marcus Smart still in town. And I think the offensive stuff toward the end of games, a lot of that was just because they didn't have a big man who could score, and and you don't want to run end of game actions with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a lot of the time because. You're, they're guarded by two very similar guys. Teams are just going to switch that. You're not going to get a lot of places. So you almost had to use Marcus Smart in the action to involve the lesser defender, the smallest guy who was on him. And um, and teams would just be like, okay, Marcus yeah, Smart good. has the ball. We're going to step back five feet right. and like peg for him to shoot. And Marcus would be like, oh, I have an open shot. Yeah. 
exactly. So that, yeah, that the other guys are, are more scoring threats too. Drew Holiday's more of a scoring threat than Marcus was. Derek White's more of a scoring threat. This is not to shit on Marcus Smart. I feel like it's going to come across as shitting on Marcus Smart. But there are just – it wouldn't be the same team with Marcus Smart instead of Drew Holiday. And th- there would probably be some benefits of having Marcus Smart around instead. But it's it's just different. Yeah. it's And ultimately, like, this isn't – like, with Smart, for like, they, they got Porzingis and they got two first-round picks in the deal. Like, the, the value they got for Smart and how – clearly high that the Memphis valued him like the Celtics sold high here and in that was just like just a no-brainer from just the value aspect of it being like and and we saw them put it to work you got Porzingis and you used that Golden State first to get Drew Holiday so it's like they they pivoted him with him the best they could and they you know turned what was a really good team to now is looking like you know the top tier contender in the east Jay King your second pick Namias Keta. <laughs> Can't believe it took that, this long. That dude has been legit. He's just been a force on the offensive glass. He's limited his fouls. As Scal pointed out, he's been able to play longer stints. Um, the Al Horford, Namias Keta duo, which has a nickname I won't say on here. Uh, <laughs> they They've been really good defensively uh so he he's playing like a guy who could get his two-way contract converted to a standard contract at some point this season luke cornett was out he really took advantage of his additional opportunity he's been like watching him go after some of these offensive rebounds and granted some of them are his own misses but he's gotten Don't a hold lot in his canter he's gotten a lot of offensive rebounds like out of his face he's tracking him down he's pursuing him. I, it's really impressive to watch the the work he does in the glass b-rob i got a question for you as the official keeper of the depth chart mm. i know that luke cornett is hurt right now but when luke cornett comes back chris taps is your first center al horford's your second center who's coming in as center number three right now has nimi played his way into third string I think against certain opponents, yes. It's like if you need a if you need a bruiser down there, if you're f- fighting a bunch of rebounders, um, Nimi's your guy for those spots. Because right now, gentlemen, I just looked this up. Minimum 100 minutes played. Nimi is the best offensive rebounder in the NBA right now by offensive rebounding rate, topping the likes of Andre Drummond, Mo Bamba, Clint Capella, Mitchell Robinson. Um, and so that that just says it all right there. So you look at just the resurgence this team has on the offensive glass. Like a lot of it is guys crashing from the corners. I think the team as well is committed to it, but they also have one of the best offensive rebounders in the league right now. And this guy, even when they're having good shooting nights, they're getting all these extra opportunities because he's just down there, you know, cleaning up the, the trash. And so he's, yeah, he's averaging more than seven offensive rebounds per 36 minutes. 12. That's insane. <laughs> like that is fucking bonkers. And against a team like a Clippers, it's like they'd have no bigs down there that can rebound well when, particularly when Zubach is out of the game. So it was like it was game over. Like they, he just crushed them. What is the what point do they have to like convert him? How many games can they get him on a two way before they have to sign him to a full contract? They have a while. So they have like, I think he's eligible for 50 games on the two way. Um, so I would be, I wrote about this at Mass Life. I would be shocked if he gets converted before the trade deadline. Uh, just based on the fact, A, they don't need to yet. B, just that 
have the flexibility of being like, okay, if we do need an extra roster spot, we don't want to be locked in. We don't want to lose him uh, for any reason if a, you know, a bigger deal comes up. Um, but once the dust settles there, I would fully expect him to be converted a, to get him eligible for the playoffs, obviously. And B, I think just the long-term right now, like he's going to get a contract this summer. You're not going to be able to bring him back on a two-way. Like someone's going to throw guaranteed money at him. And so the Celtics probably want them to have first. Lock him up. Lock him up. up. Lock him up. Three or four year deal. Give him some guaranteed money mixed in there. And then, yeah, that's guys like this are going to be huge for this team going forward because you're just not going to have a lot of flexibility in the payroll to add to add anyone otherwise. Can they sign him for a multi-year deal or do they would just sign him for the rest of the year? They could sign him to a multi-year deal. Um, I'm not sure. There probably is some, I don't think they could offer more than the minimum um, just because they don't have that, uh, the paper. I have to look that up, but it's, uh, but they can definitely offer him, you know, a standard NBA minimum, like longer term deal. Yeah. All right, my put final that, pick. Put, put that Mark comment on the board. I need to. I need All to right, on. this. Mark, All right, hold on. Mark. Let's see. Mark. Mark says, "Look, I love Drew. He fits like a glove here. But to say he's a big upgrade over Brogdon, I disagree. Not just to Brogdon say you have to read it correctly. No to say he's a big upgrade over Brogdon? Three question marks. He's dumbfounded how anyone could say that." How? How? <laughs> How are you dumbfounded? He is better at every single thing except maybe, maybe scoring. Driving to, driving to the cup with his right hand. That's the mark of Malcolm Brogdon experience. Every other thing. He's a way better defender. Immensely better defender. He's a smarter player. He's more willing to pass. Far more willing to pass. Far more willing to let his teammates flourish. He is, oh, 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 I had to respond to that. <laughs> Drew Holiday is so much better than Malcolm Brogdon. It is not even close. I respect your opinion, Mark. It's just wrong. It doesn't even seem like you respect his opinion. I think you respect his ability to give an opinion, but the opinion itself, you seem pretty upset by. Don't we have a, a Drew Holiday voicemail too, B-Rob? Not to put you on the spot again, but... This, uh, yeah, this is we've got to handle this a little better moving forward. You guys can talk about well, well give the number for the voicemail. I'll give, well, no, give no, promotion I, I don't think I don't. The voicemail is for those who subscribe to the Patreon. I don't think we can be giving out the voicemail. Oh, that's true. I, I agree this with is, that. That is yeah, only yeah, a, a, a subscriber thing. If you want to, you know, subscribe and be able to leave us a voicemail, you know, asking about pretty much anything, we want to talk about basketball, but we've also been talking. I think we can give out some pretty solid life advice. Uh, we can just, you know, anything you want to say, you can hit us up on the voicemail line if you are a subscriber. So you can go to patreon.com slash still potable. But I do believe we got a, a Drew Holiday related voicemail. And so we'll listen to that now. Charged by um, James Harden by Drew Holiday. That's what I'm talking about. That's a weak defense that we come to expect from these here Celtics. And that's the kind of thing playing that Drew Holiday is giving the Celtics game after game after game after game. That sounded like world-famous Joshua B. Could that be Joshua B. talking about the, the charge drawn by Drew Holiday? That was the world-famous Joshua B. who left a bunch of voicemails. We appreciate you, Josh. Keep them coming. We need to keep that voicemail line hot. This is going to be a fun tool. 
Mark Mark has come back. <laughs> Hi guys, I will admit he's a better player than Brogdon. Maybe. So are you admitting it or not, Mark? <laughs> he said, I didn't think my last comment came through. LOL. We appreciate you, Mark. Thanks for coming in, commenting. Thanks for giving us some content. But I, got- I, I'm not sure that was a, an admission there, honestly. <laughs> we'll give him half credit for that one. We got some other good comments here coming in. Uh, Van saying, I think assuming we can talk about the Marcus trade, that trade was less about who the Celtics gave up and more about who we were getting. I think it's Definitely. a fair assessment. Marcus was yeah. very good. Right. Great player. You traded a very good for someone. You needed a big that could yeah. score, and you got one of the best ones in the league at it. And, and they ended up feeling – who knows what the team would have looked like, too, if if they didn't get Drew Holiday. Like, if if they get right. rid of Marcus and don't fill that role of defensive-minded guy who brings that toughness, that rugged nature, like, things things could look different. Um, but they did get Drew Holiday. They were able to replace that. And this team is tough right now. Like, this is a tough team that plays really hard, that defends at a super high level. And and the Kings, the Kings win was, like – so impressive because there was no Tatum second night of a back-to-back and they just absolutely smacked them. And it was a fifth game in seven nights. Like that is a schedule loss. And they won 144 to 119 with the best offensive rating the Celtics have had in the modern era. So that was the most, the most impressive win of the season to me. Uh, we didn't even we just mentioned that Josh B left a voicemail but didn't reference anything in the voicemail about Drew Holiday taking a charge. Eric Name from the Athletic told us that Drew Holiday doesn't take charges because he's too strong, but he's kind of stepped it up on that regard uh, this season. Uh, the Celtics I'll- never take charges, by the way. Like, like never ever take charges. Derek White used to take charges. Now he just gets blocks. Now he what? Four games in a row with three blocks, which is kind of insane. That has to be your pick, right, Packer? That was going to be my pick, but now I just wasted it here. I also could have <laughs> talked about um, Peyton Pritchard shooting 50% from three when he's in the Pacific time zone. Kind of weird. Um, also to go along with his general home and away shooting splits where he can only make threes at home. That's not going to be my pick. That'll be an honorable mention. My pick is going to be... There's a new sitcom where Donald Faison plays Wick Grosbeck um, in sort of like a th- incredible casting and w- like in a situation where there was a divorced couple who decided to keep the same apartment uh, to raise their children. But then things got crazy when the guys, the owner of the guy's favorite basketball team came in and started dating his ex-wife. And that guy is Wick Grosbeck in real life. And then they thought the natural casting is to put Donald Faison in. And then they had both Wick and Donald on the broadcast for the second game against the Clippers. And it was one of the more distracting broadcasts I've ever seen. Like I, it was hard to focus on the basketball with all the kind of nonsense that was coming out of that interview. But I guess I'm looking forward to the show. I just don't know what to expect with Donald Faison playing Wick or Respect. <laughs> I was like, it's like, is that the dude from Clueless on, on the Celtics broadcast <laughs> I, right now? I just love that. That's how our generation identifies him. It's like, like I mean, he's obviously been in a ton of other stuff, but the same thing. It's like, oh, man, it's a guy from Clueless. <laughs> oh, I see Wick, him as Scrubs. Wick I know he's Scrubs. So he's a Scrubs guy mad. first, but I think Clueless first. Wick was so mad when the Clippers got into Jason Tatum's landing space. I, I thought he was going to take the headset off, go charge onto the court, and make a scene. 
It was. Well, he he's electric on the broadcast. I'd be like, yeah, a lot of pressure on Jalen. We gave him that big bunny, and like he was saying some interesting things. Uh, I liked Wick sprinkling Wick every and now then, and, then, the, and then uh the clueless guy, Donald Faison, <laughs> he he then like asked pretty tough questions about the Jalen Brown contract. Like basically, like that must have been a tough decision. Whatever. Wick was like, Wick handled that one well. And he's like, no, that was that was not a tough decision at all. But <laughs> it it was funny how he was like, the dude from Clueless was just really, he was like a journalist out there asking the hard hitting questions. It was amazing. It was a full quarter. It was great insight. We'll keep, he is a legend from Remember the Titans. What was his name? Petey, right? Yeah, Petey. Yep, yep. Another good. Yeah, he's been. I mean, he's and he hasn't aged a day. Like, no, he no, looks he the same age. as he does in 1996, which is, uh, you know, kudos to him. Um, but yeah, great. I, I agree. Packard was great content in the second quarter. Did you guys uh, ever watch Scrubs? All the time. I've watched a lot of Scrubs. Turk Turkleton. I've never seen. Scrubs. I've only seen a couple. Yeah. But I've uh, heard good things. It kind of tailed off towards the later years, but it's, it has its moments uh, early on. That's definitely one of those shows that is like on Comedy Central a lot. And so I feel like I, I saw it. But I'm going to give Extended Family, the Wick Grosbeck uh, show, a try. You know, maybe we can do a still potable watch along. Uh, we can come back after each new episode. <laughs> that would be an electric episode, actually. <laughs> I'm sure Wick would love to come on and talk about us. We have to. Yeah, he's promoting the show. I do also like it's like a classic rich guy move to be like, yeah, I own a basketball team. Why not produce a television show about my life? Like, I'm going to put up the money so my story's on TV. And I just kind of like, like, if you're going to be a rich billionaire, do it, do it correctly. Like that's what I would do. First, I do I want to know how the how the casting went. <laughs> like, who are the other options for this character? Is is Wick just a big Donald Faison guy? Like, was that his choice? Like, if, if you asked Wick, like, Wick, who, who do you think you still represents you most ago, in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, if you asked him ten years ago, like b- before he even thought of making this sitcom, who would play him in, in a? in a movie or, or TV show, would he have said Donald Faison? I <laughs> I, I want to know. We'll never know. We'll never find out. Um, this is the, this episode will come out on Christmas. The Celtics are playing on Christmas day against the Lakers, 5 PM Eastern time. Um, we haven't talked about that at all, but the game I feel like should have some juice. The Lakers had a pretty big win against the thunder on, uh, Yesterday, 40 points from LeBron. I think they are like stopped their skid, but Lakers are playing well. You know, Lakers Celtics on Christmas. I guess what B Rob are you most looking forward to about this Christmas Day matchup between Celtics Lakers? I first enjoy the 5 p.m. start. I think it's a good time for <laughs> good time for everyone to watch on Christmas. It doesn't uh better than the noon. Uh yeah, I think this is a situation where Celtics Lakers Christmas Day, you're gonna get really high intensity level from both sides. Um, LeBron, Anthony Davis are going to get after it. The Lakers, I believe, mixed up their starting lineup. Uh, put D'Angelo Russell They're on the bench there. Now. Right. So they're just going to get huge, super huge. So that is uh, that will be a good test, I think, for this group because the Celtics have a ton of size. We don't know if Porzingis will be back, Jay, but I, I imagine that's not going to be a long-term absence. Um, so if you get the, the size versus size of it that we could see could be, could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And... And how can the Celtics take advantage of their shooting in that matchup and and get the Lakers scrambling and make sure that their size doesn't matter? I think it's a fun matchup. Jason Tatum just loves playing the L.A. teams, just absolutely destroys the L.A. teams. So I expect a big game out of him. 
And Celtics are just – they're rolling right now. Like, th- this team is playing at a super high level over the past couple weeks. And, uh, like, this is some of the best basketball we've seen in a long time from the Celtics. Part of me thinks that, like, losing the way they did to the Warriors might have just, like, help, been helpful because they came out with this, this like, ass-kicking mentality against the Kings – Obviously, this, uh, Clippers didn't have Kawhi, but right now they have an opportunity to make this a three-and-one road trip. Like it was like their first real chance to play in the Western Conference, um, and like to do that with this momentum. After this, they come back and have a really easy schedule. I think they have the easiest schedule in the rest of the league, like for the rest of the season. But they have like a nice stretch of games there. They can continue to pile up wins. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to to Christmas. It, it it's always like a fun game full fun day of basketball and it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics deal with that size because I do think in the games they've struggled I think you know uh, the Magic obviously have size the uh, Timberwolves two big guys and so I think against the giant Lakers team can they spread them out do they go super small like they did against the Magic when they were in Boston and those guys were hurt um, It's good. I really do hope Chris Tapps plays because it's just much more fun to see you know a team against a team, um, but I think it should be a good game. Speaking of Christmas, we have a shout out. Uh, Kai Noah, one of the uh, still potable subscribers, uh, your friend Sierra got in touch with us and asked us to give you a special shout out. She says she wishes you a Merry Christmas and hopes the Celtics can handle her Lakers. But uh, Merry Christmas from Sierra to Kai Noah. That's just kind of personal touch we're offer here on the still potable family, you know? Uh, and so, if you guys are interested in joining the Still Potable family, please subscribe and go to patreon.com slash stillpotable. Fellas, we've emptied out the, the potable six-pack. We've talked about Christmas. Are there any other things we need to touch on before ending this episode? Nope. Happy and holidays not- to the listeners. Um, 15% off right now to join Still Potable at patreon.com. So definitely that's available till January 1st. So if you want to get yourself a late gift, want to get a friend who you know is a Celtics fan another gift, um, want to join the community, leave voicemails, interact with us in the chat. There's a lot we can throw at you guys, and we the community is, keeps growing and growing. So just want to hopefully listeners want to jump on board here. No parting message from Jay King. He's the strong, silent type, but we appreciate it. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Happy Christmas. New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, go to patreon.com slash stillpotable. Uh, look out for that. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We'll have clips there. Uh, you can find us at stillpotable. We also on YouTube. You can subscribe to the CLNS YouTube. Also, if you want to catch all of these weekly shows, uh, we appreciate every single person for listening, tuning in, giving us comments, people leaving voicemails. That's fantastic. We're hope still potable is going to keep growing into the new year and very much appreciate everyone for listening. And we'll tune in after the after the Celtics Lakers game. We'll be here with a recap podcast that will be on the Patreon. We appreciate everyone for listening and have a happy holidays.